Exodus chapter 8. Yahweh spoke to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, This is what Yahweh says, Let my people go, that they may serve me. If you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your borders with frogs. <laughs> and the river shall swarm with frogs, which shall go up and come into your house and into your bedroom and onto your bed and into the house of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on you and on your people and on all your servants. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the rivers, over the streams, and over the pools, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. The magicians did the same thing with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat Yahweh that he take away the frogs from me, and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses said to Pharaoh, I give you the honour of setting the time that I should pray for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses and remain in the river only. He said, Tomorrow. He said, Be it according to your word that you may know that there is no one like Yahweh our God. The frogs shall depart from you and from your houses and from your servants and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried to Yahweh concerning the frogs, which he had brought on Pharaoh. Yahweh did according to the word of Moses and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courts and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the earth that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. They did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and there were lice on man and on animal, all the dust of the earth became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried with their enchantments to produce lice, but they couldn't. There were lice on man and on animal. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is God's finger. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Behold, he comes out to the water and tell him. This is what Yahweh says, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. I will set apart in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, to the end that you may know that I am Yahweh on the earth. I will put a division between my people and your people. By tomorrow shall this sign be. 
Yahweh did so, and there came grievous swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses, and in all the land of Egypt, the land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. Moses said, It isn't appropriate to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of Egyptians to Yahweh our God. Behold, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and won't they stone us? No, we will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he commanded us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Pray for me. Moses said, Behold, I go out from you, and I will pray to Yahweh that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only don't let Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. Yahweh did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he didn't let the people go. Oh dear. Frogs. Who's voting for frogs in your house? And it's interesting how it says, and on your, you know, and on you and on your servants. <laughs> I can just imagine frogs everywhere. Not fun, not fun. Mind you, frogs or lice or flies, which would be your least favorite? And um, well, I don't think any of them. It, it talked about the, the fly plague there and said it was grievous. Now I just, can you imagine swarms of them in your house? Like every time you put a plate of food down, there's like a hundred on there. Not fun at all. And um, this must have really, really bothered people a lot. And the Bible just doesn't go into how people felt, but it must have been very uncomfortable. And um, one of the questions that you have to ask is, were these plagues natural or supernatural? And of course, obviously supernatural, but there's, there's a bunch of theories that have been put forward by scientists and various people that have tried to explain all these plagues in a natural way. They say, oh, well, first of all, you know, the flooding of the Nile was lower this year than normal, and so the water got stagnant, and then there was a, one of those red mosses, so all the water looked like it was blood, but it was just red moss, and, and then the frogs couldn't handle it, so they all jumped out on the land, and then the frogs died, and the lice came, and then the flies came. So there's these theories that kind of try to explain it all in natural terms. And first of all, the, the theories are not sufficient, because the Bible gives us detail to prove that it was supernatural. For example, it says that the, the river turned to blood, but also the lakes and the ponds and the streams and even the bowls in their houses turned to blood. So it wasn't just algae in the river. Now, this is something that happened right across the land in wherever there was water. So it, it, it's clearly supernatural. And uh, later on, some of the other plagues that are to come are clearly supernatural. You know, like the sun not shining for three entire days, that's supernatural. And um, so I think we can answer the question and say these were supernaturally induced plagues. Plus, of course, God told Moses to go and what to say, and it was when he prayed that they started. So it's clearly the Lord at work. But having said that, that does raise an interesting question. One of the plagues was hail. 
which is, is, you know, if you didn't know that Moses had prayed and God had said that hail was going to come and you were just there and saw a terrible hailstorm, you could think it was just a natural event. Or if you just saw swarms of frogs, you could just think it was a natural event. And this goes to show us that many times supernatural things are also natural things. Like when we pray for someone for healing and you know they've had a bad back and then next thing, a few days later, their, their back's feeling better. Well, that's it looks like it's naturally healed, but it's, it's natural and also supernatural. The Lord does work instantly sometimes in ways that are obviously supernatural, but sometimes the natural things are also his hand at work. And we have to re remember that. Skeptical people will never see the supernatural in it. But we as believers, we have to notice the supernatural is in everyday life. It is. It's everywhere all around us that God is at work. And it takes practice to spot it. But once you see the Lord's hand in your life, you'll find him everywhere. And one useful exercise, um, which is uh, there's certain groups of Christians that do this, is they pause at the end of the day for just five minutes and they, they contemplate, you know, where was God with me today? And they, in their mind, they go through the events of the day and they're looking for God. And they do this every day as a habit. And through that process, they just become more aware of God as they're going through the day. They're kind of aware of him because they're paying attention for that. And I think that's a great thing to do. And so in this story, we've got the magicians, you know, they reproduce the frogs. But then they get to the lice and they cannot reproduce the lice. And they tell Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. <laughs> You didn't know God had a finger, did you? Well, you know, he doesn't really have a finger. He's, he's a spirit. But God uses these figures of speech. You know, it says he talked to Moses face to face. And, and elsewhere, you know, it even says he covers us like a, a mother covers her chickens. You know, like, so there's, God uses figures of speech to, that we understand. So, so even though he's a spirit and doesn't have a finger, here they're referring to, in other words, they're saying this is God at work. There's only three places in the Bible where this phrase, the finger of God, is used. And here's one. The second one is where God gives the Ten Commandments. And it says they're written by the finger of God. And um, there is, of course, the writing of, of on the wall in the story of Daniel. But it doesn't say the finger of God. It says a hand. But in the New Testament, there's a story where Jesus casts out a demon and he tells people that, that by the finger of God, I've cast out this demon. And so it's, it's the Holy Spirit that does the casting out, but Jesus calls it the finger of God. So we know because of Jesus that the finger of God is the Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament, we see that, it's, that that reference is used in relating to destroying the power of demons. And that's exactly what's going on here in the book of Exodus, although you wouldn't realize it. But each one of the plagues was actually targeting against an Egyptian god. And um, so the ten plagues are targeted against ten gods. And I'll tell you in a later chapter who they all are. But um, here we've got um, just an example where the, the magicians are saying that this is the finger of God. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit's power at work through Moses and destroying the power of demons, the false gods of the land. In other words, as New Testament Christians, we can look back on that and we can see that the Egyptian gods were just demons. And you know, all around the world, wherever people idolize things and worship things, though that those false loves are really demonic. They're, they're locked in place 
um, demonically. And, um, but we as Christians, we need to let go of our idols, let go of our false loves and embrace the real Lord. And, um, and you know what we really need? We need the finger of God to write the law of God on our hearts. Just like the finger of God wrote the Ten Commandments, we need God's finger to write on our hearts, uh, write his love onto our hearts and what a difference that is going to make. Finally, at the end of this chapter, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart again. He keeps on doing it. And um, I just want to warn you about the terrible consequences of repeatedly hardening your heart towards God. Everyone has done it at some point because what we do is there's a certain course of action we want to take and we, we kind of know deep down that God doesn't want us to, but we to actually ignore God and do what we want, we actually have to harden our heart a little. And every Christian has done it. But you know, often, I'm, there's times in my life I've done it, but then I've gone to God afterwards and said, I'm really sorry. I know it was wrong, and I know I deliberately did it was what was wrong, but forgive me. And then in that process, I'm now softening my heart again. But Pharaoh keeps on hardening his heart. And there's terrible consequences if someone does this. It gets to the point where you're no longer able to repent. It's not that God couldn't forgive you if you were able to repent. It's just that you can get to the point where your heart is so hard that you're no longer able to hear God's voice speaking to you. And that's a terrible place to be. And Pharaoh does get to this place in the chapters ahead. So Lord, spare us from that. Spare us from hardening our hearts. I pray that all of us would soften our hearts and come to the place where we hear your voice more and more. And Lord, write upon our hearts with your finger, the finger of God, that the law of the Lord might be written within us. Let us be people that love you and follow you always in the name of Jesus. Amen.